Welcome to the LHA Church Podcast. This is Jerry Galloway, and I'm the pastor of LHA Church. Thanks for joining us today. I pray this blesses you, strengthens your faith to know that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. If you have your Bibles today with you, if you'll take them out or your electronic device of choice, take them out. Let's go together to Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is where we're going to begin in the Word together today, Psalm 90. Today we are picking back up with our series, You Ask For It. And uh, today we're going to be looking at life, death, and the afterlife. We're beginning, we're going to spend the next few weeks together in this topic, life, death, and the afterlife. There are few things that make people more uncomfortable than talking about life, death, and the afterlife. Possibly no topic has brought more confusion, more questions, more people wondering, well, what happens at this point? Where, where do we go? And what's the process? And all of those things. And I would tell you there is one thing today, though, in the midst of all of those questions and confusion that you and I can be very confident of. The God who created everything, the God creator of the earth, the heavens, the God who created mankind, he's the God who created the past, the present, and the future. And he knows for sure what tomorrow brings, whether we know tomorrow or not. He's the God of yesterday, today, and forever. And the truth is life, death, and the afterlife, each one of those parts is very important to our existence because they're all tied together. They're hand and glove. One leads right to another. What we do in this life is really preparing us for eternity. Since life after death exists, the choices, and I want to tell you there, there will never be a moment you will cease to exist. You are an eternal being. We exist forever. The Bible says God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. With that being the case, the choices that you and I make in this world determines our place of residence in the next life. Only those who are prepared to die are really prepared to live. What happens after you and I die depends on what happens before we die. The truth is today, this life that you and I have, this is all we have. We have one go around. This is our chance. Today is our time. We know that death is the doorway by which we leave behind the limitations of this earth, the pains, the difficulties, the trials, the tribulation of this life, either to enter into a heavenly realm or a hellish existence. 
Death is often referred to as a departure, but I would submit to you today that death for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is really about an arrival. It's not so much about where I'm leaving, it's about where I'm heading. For the believer in Jesus Christ, it is an arrival in the very presence of Almighty God for all eternity. This morning, we're going to take some time and we're going to talk about this life that we have right now. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 2 says this, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die. Hebrews 9 and 27 says, People are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Friends, the truth is today, we all understand the fact that we have an expiration date. And often we go through life and the busyness of life and we don't think about the fact that we do have an expiration date. But I wonder what you might do if you knew you only had a short time to live. I wonder what you and I might determine if we knew we only had a short time. The next few minutes I want us to focus on that time. I want to ask you a question. If you knew that the clock was starting to count down towards the time of your departure, how would you live? What things would be most important to you? What would you make sure that you accomplished? What things would you choose to not be concerned about? Who are the people you'd be most concerned about being with? What relationships would you need to mend? And most importantly, what would you do with your relationship with God? Our text for this morning, Psalm 90 and verse 12, is really it's a prayer of Moses. Psalm 90 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to make the most of the opportunity and the days that are before us. Last evening, a lot of times on Saturday evenings, just kind of in preparation for the next morning, I spend a lot of times on Saturday evening in prayer, and one of the things I like to do is I like to go out and walk and just talk to the Lord because I can do that and nobody hears me, at least if they do. They may think I'm a little crazy, but it's all right. I go out and I just kind of walk around and, and talk to the Lord, and last night I decided, well, I was going to walk down the road from our house a little bit, and I went in, most of you know we live next door to a cemetery, and I, I was walking through the cemetery, and all of a sudden I saw a vehicle starting to pull in, and I happened to look over, and there was a tent, and... They were preparing to have a funeral. It was later in the evening, which is very un unusual at that time of the evening. And they were gathering together to say their final uh, goodbyes. Many people gathered around the tent. They shared some words together. A couple of years ago, I shared with you, there's a poem that is out there that many of you have probably come across. There's a poem out there that's called The Dash. The essence of the poem of the dash is this. 
It's not so much the date that we're born or the date we die. It's the dash between that really identifies and determines and uh, gives great influence on the life that we've lived. The dates, they really don't tell us a whole lot. The dash tells us everything. The truth is you and I cannot, there are many things about our life and our existence we cannot control. You cannot control, for instance, when you were born. You cannot control to whom you were born. We cannot control when we die or the circumstances from which we die. There's an incredible amount of our lives we have absolutely no control over, but we do get to decide how we're going to live our lives. That's solely your choice. In reference to that thought of the dash, I want to ask you the question, are you living out the dash? Are you living your life out? Often, instead of living the dash, we dash to live. Are you living your life today for yourself? Are you caught in part of a life of doing your own thing, chasing after your own goals? Are you living to satisfy your own desires or are you living your life for Jesus Christ and for others? Today, when you look at your life, I wonder, are you living the dash fully knowing your purpose in this life and giving your best to make the most of every moment and every opportunity? Or is your life today caught up in a whirlwind of circumstances and you're spending precious time chasing after things that don't really matter? Have you ever went through a day, got to the end of the day and said, man, I accomplished anything today. You were as busy as can be. In fact, at the end of the day, you are wore out, tired. But then you say, man, I did a lot of things but didn't do anything that mattered today. How many times do we come to the end of a day, a month, a year? How many of you know the years seem to be going faster and faster and faster? The thought that we're in October already just, wow! It's going quick, isn't it? Isn't it amazing we get to the end of a year, a decade, and we think, wow, I didn't accomplish the things that I set out to do. I didn't really spend my life on the things that were most important. You know, in the Gospels, we clearly see a picture of Jesus. We see a great picture of his earthly ministry. And as we read through the Gospels, we find there is a season. Uh, Ecclesiastes says there's a season for everything. And we find there is a season in Christ's ministry when it's beginning to come to a close. Paul had made reference this morning of Gethsemane as as it is winding down and it's coming to the very close. And I would submit to you one of the most pivotal points of Jesus' life was actually the Garden of Gethsemane because it was there that he made the final decision, yes, it's your will that I'm going to follow. He knew that his ministry, his time on this earth was drawing to a close. And this morning what I want us to do, I want us to look at the life of Christ And find some principles there that show us how to live our life with the greatest impact. 
Today, you and I live in a world that is re constantly reinventing what matters most and what is labeled as success. And when you get to the end, if you've done X, Y, and Z, if you have X amount of dollars in the bank, if you've accomplished these things, if you've amassed this, if you've done this, then you have been successful. But I want us today to look at the life of Jesus, a man who was born here, ministry, really ministry for Christ on this earth was a very short period of time. There's a lot of things about Jesus' life. If we look at it from a secular or a worldly standpoint, we would say he was very unsuccessful. I would submit to you today, no one has been more successful on this earth than Jesus Christ. It's from those examples and those priorities I want us to look today and I want us to spend some time together. The first thing that we see in the life of Jesus is this. Jesus lived his life intentionally. Intentionally. Christ was passionate. Jesus was very purposeful about how he spent his life. His his time on this earth was not caught up in the pleasures of life, but rather he chose to live his life on purpose. John chapter 6 and verse 38 gives us a snapshot of that when Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. For you and I to live our lives with intentionality, I would submit to you today the first thing that you and I need to experience is having the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in our lives. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 says, And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. God's pretty clear here. He says if you have spiritual life in Jesus Christ, you have found the thing that matters the most. If not, he says, you are walking about spiritually dead. John 10 and verse 10, we know it well. The thief, he says, come still and kill and destroy. He said, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the what? Full. Full. The Message Bible renders it this way. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I would submit to you today that our life in Jesus Christ, our relationship with Jesus is what helps you and I to prioritize the things that will fill our lives and they teach us to live this life with purpose and passion. If you and I aren't careful, we can spend so much of our life on things that, yes, though they are good, they are not the best. This life goes by so quickly. Before we know it, it's here and then it's gone. When we're young, all we want to do is be older. I remember I couldn't wait. I, I'm a, I remember as a teenager, I said, Jesus, I know you're coming back, but at least let me get my driver's license first. <laughs> Y'all think I'm crazy. That's the truth. I'm not lying to you. I said, Lord, I know you're coming, but I at least want to experience that my driver's license. 
<laughs> when we're younger, everything is about getting older. And then we get older, everything's about being younger. When we're when we're young, we try to make ourselves look older, act older, be older. Then when we get older, we try to do things to make ourselves look younger and be younger and act younger. It's because life goes by so quickly. I'm often moved by the passage in Psalm 63 and verse 4. This passage is a credible testimony. It says, I will praise you. As long as I live, I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My life will be for the glory of God. My first priority will be Jesus. I will lift up my hands in your name. I will bless you while I live. The determination that says with David, as long as I live, I will praise you, God. I will praise you. I would submit to you today to not wait until things are perfect in your life to praise the Lord. Live a life of praise to him now. Praise him. Everybody says, man, when I get to heaven, oh, I can't wait to see Jesus. My friend, you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to praise him. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven to honor him. When we get together like days like this, it ought to be days of our best praise because today I have life in me. I am a living example of what Jesus Christ can do. My life is not what I've done. My life is what he's done. And when you and I live a life, let it be a life of praise. Let it be a life of praise when I'm doing business, when I'm living with my family, when I'm doing ministry, when I'm walking out in the neighborhood. Let it be to honor and praise the name of Jesus. Many times we are waiting on our ship to come in, hoping somehow that my life will be different when this thing turns around. Most find the ship never arrives. And because of that, then we spend our time looking back at the years we've wasted. I remember a gentleman who went to be with the Lord now probably uh, 15 years ago. Knew him very well. He didn't find the Lord Jesus Christ until he was about 70 years of age. Often he and I'd be talking, and the thing that bothered him the very most was looking back and he said, All the years that I wasted, all the years of my life that I could have lived for Jesus, and he said, I spent them on me. Psalmist said, While I live, 
I'll praise you while I live. I'll bless you while I live, while I have life in me, while I have breath in me. I'm not waiting till my circumstance changes to live my life for Jesus. I'm not waiting till things get better. I'm not waiting till things turn around in my life. I'm giving God my best today. I'm going to give God my best. I'm not waiting for a revival to happen. I'm not waiting for a spiritual renewal to happen. I'm going to give him the best I've got today while I live and there's breath in my body I'll live my life for him we overestimate the power of tomorrow we get stuck in the someday syndrome while all along we are spending the time we have today I want to challenge you to begin to live your life with intentionality I'd ask you the question if our lives are defined by the dash between the dates, how are you living your dash? How are you living your dash? So the first thing we find is Jesus lived with intentionality. The second thing we find is this, Jesus loved completely. Jesus loved completely. Jesus only had a short time on this earth, but yet the Bible tells us what he did with his life. John chapter 13, John 13 and verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them completely to the end. Probably one of the things that brings a paradigm shift into an individual's life is when they go to a doctor's visit and a doctor gives them devastating news. I can't tell you all over the years how many people that I've talked to that They've went to the doctor, they've got a bad report, a, a bad MRI, something, and, and, and things are not looking good. And I'm telling you, it's, it's unbelievable how this paradigm shift happens. And, and everything gets restructured, everything gets reorganized. It's like all of these other things that we spend so much of our time on get set on the burner. They don't matter then. They don't matter. If you knew you only had a short time to live, I think without hesitation I could say every one of us would want to do something of value with the time we had left. You would want to love those around you. You'd want them to know that you loved them. You'd want them to experience the full extent of your love. You would say things you hadn't said. Dads who were never comfortable with looking at their kids and saying, I love you, would find the ability to say, now I love you. Husbands and wives who for years had held things against one another, even maybe they went on ahead past the problems, but still secretly they held on to those things. They would begin to let go of that. It wouldn't matter anymore.
Jesus gave us some really powerful priorities. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, give us that record. Jesus replied with these words, Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. With all of your soul and with all of your mind. Notice this, what it says. This is the first, some might say first, and the greatest commandment. He says this is the epitome. This is the top priority. There's nothing more admirable, nothing more heroic, nothing greater than to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. He says if you want to walk in obedience, the greatest thing you can do to walk in obedience to God is love God first. Notice, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. God says the first priority you need to give your life to is the love. Wow. Think about that for a moment. The first thing. He didn't say you need to get better at your job. He didn't say you need to get better at being a husband, to get better at being a wife, get better at being a parent, get better at uh, being a neighbor, get, get better at being a son or a daughter. He said the first thing you need to give your energy to is love. Loving God first and secondly, loving others. My friend, when it comes to the end of your life, it won't matter how much money was in your bank account. It won't matter, matter how many awards or accolades you have won. It won't matter how many of the goals in life you have accomplished. What will matter is this. Did you love God with all of your heart? And did you love the people in your life? If you and I were to know the date, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but on Facebook, there's, I, I've never played it, there's, but I see as I scroll down, there's a game people plays, and somehow you put in some information, it's supposed to tell you when you're going to die. Okay, it's a game. I ain't playing it. I don't know. You know, I, I don't want them to say, you know, next March or... Yeah, that's why I don't play it. But the real reality is, you and I live a life that is very fragile. If you knew the date, when you would die, I really believe that you and I would focus on the relationships in our life. People who have had no time for God would suddenly have time for God. If you don't mind me just being real for a minute, okay? I find people, when they get to that mind frame, they have time to come to church. They have time to engage with the body of believers. 
I'm just being real. I'm just telling you over many years of, of walking this journey with people, it's amazing how the perspective changes. You'd focus on your relationship with God. You'd focus on grow, growing closer to Him. You would have time to read your Bible. You'd have time to pray. In fact, most of us, we get in that point and we would pray like we've never prayed. You would find that living for Him would be of greater priority than living for yourself. I believe you would center your attention on God. I believe you'd center your attention on your family. I believe you'd center your attention on your friends. Making a lasting impact on the lives of those around you. You know, we get sometimes the idea that love is this mushy, mushy feeling. But love is a choice. Love is an action. Love is not weak. Rather, love is the most powerful force in this world. If Jesus lived completely, I wonder today, what relationships do you need to mend? How about your relationship with God? Who are you living for? Have you ever met an individual that was living for themselves? I met all the years of... Uh, of my walking the journey of life with people and the journey that even leads to death, there's one individual that I remember distinctly lived for himself. Um, my knowledge of him in this life was probably only about the last 15 years of his life. He lived very selfishly with his wife. He treated his wife terrible. He didn't physically abuse her, but he abused her a lot with words, with neglect, with lack of concern and care. Actually, I never met anyone who when they heard this person's name, have you, have you ever, you know, you, you hear somebody's name and somebody, they say, well, do you know so-and-so? And they'll say, oh, my goodness, they are the nicest person in the entire world. Anytime this individual's name come up, no one had anything to say. He lived his entire life for what he wanted and what he thought, and everything was about him came to the end of his life and it was a struggle even to get his children to come to the funeral. Because for so many years they had only known a man who lived for himself, his own dreams, his own desires, his own aspirations and they were something that was sit on a shelf. Often as a funeral comes to a close, we'll, we'll have a time we'll open up uh, the floor, and, and we'll allow individuals maybe to stand up and they'll share a word, or you know, they'll share a, a memory. Uh, sometimes it's a very funny memory and it brings laughter to the room and it lightens what's happening. And uh, that family, when asked, none of the kids could think of anything positive they could say about their father. 
It's all about the dash. What relationships in your life need to be amended? Those who live for themselves, when they leave this side, it's a very sad day because they're usually never prepared to meet God. They go out of this life with nothing of eternal value and nothing of earthly value. As you are living out that dash in your existence and in your life, I want to ask you today about your relationship with God. How's your relationship with God? Is that one of the relationships you need to mend? How about your relationship with your family? Husbands, how about your relationship with your wife? Wife, how about your relationship with your husband? Do you know that your relationship with your spouse is more important than your relationship with your children? I see so many times parents have children, raise the children. When the children are gone, parents divorce because they have no relationship. Parents, how about the relationship with your kids? Is there someone you need to sit down with and say, I'm sorry? Is there something you need to mend? My friend, the greatest picture I can give you of success is a person who may never be known by the world but they've loved God with all of their heart and they love with completeness the people around them. That is success. That is success. Last of all, the last principle we find in Christ's life that I want to share with you today is this. We find that Jesus left this life. This is a really big one. Jesus left with no regrets. Luke chapter 9 and verse 51 says, As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We find near the end of his time on this earth, Jesus was resolute in fulfilling the purpose for which he had come to this earth. Now, the truth is there are many things Jesus could have been doing in the last days on this earth. There were many things that other people thought he should have been doing. I'm sure there were other people who said, there's not time for you to go to the Gethsemane to pray. We've got a bunch of sick people out here that need you to heal them. I need you to go see my Aunt Martha. I need you to go see my sister. I need you to go. I need, there's some people who need some food multiplied. They, they don't have enough. And you need to go, Jesus. You need to do those things. But we find near the end, Jesus was very resolute in what he did. He gave his time to the things that were of greatest importance. Friend, if you had a short time to live, you would not want to waste your time nor your energy on the things that really don't matter. You would give your last few days to the things that matter the most. And I think all of us would probably spend time preparing for eternity. 
So now is the time to answer the question. How are you living out that dash? You were created an internal being. The Bible says God planted eternity in the heart of every man. There are people that will tell you how to do your life, how to live your life, how to find the greatest uh, success in life. But when the end of your life comes, my friend, there's only one opinion that matters. That's God's. We all strive as believers to one day stand before God and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. Well done. Have y'all ever experienced regret? Let me, let me put this. Anybody in this room ever had buyer's remorse? You just couldn't think about anything else till you got that thing. And you got it, got home, and you thought, good Lord, what have I done? <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it was just going to be the greatest thing in the world. And about two days later, you're like, man, do I still have the receipt for this thing? <laughs> Probably one of the greatest thing ever happened to humanity is when they made returns easy. Paul and I was talking not, talking not long ago. Y'all remember several years ago, you'd go to return something, and it was like you were the criminal. They looked at you, what did you do with it? Are you ripping us off? Everybody wants to return something now. Well, I'll just get it, and if I don't like it, I'll take it back. Regret. Like, man, I wish I had that money in my pocket instead of that thing at home. Regret. I would venture to guess there's probably not one of us in this room that don't have some areas of our life we look back at with a bit of regret. I wish I had, boy, I wish I'd done that differently. I told you about the individual earlier. His regret was he didn't come to Jesus. He ignored the call of God until he was at least 70 years of age. Regret. You know the, the crazy thing about regret? Regret is something that will consume you, but there's absolutely nothing you can do about regret. You can't go back and change it. When the money's gone, it's gone. When the days are gone. You know, how many of y'all can go back and redo yesterday? can't it's spent it's past it's done it's over but i almost think it's a picture of grace when he says today's the day i can't go back and undo yesterday but man i can do today the things that i need to do i can be the person i need to be i don't know today <laughs> for some reason in my heart today i am so impressed to speak to fathers today Fathers who need to say some things that they haven't said. Um, our culture has given us the idea uh, right now, man, it, it is masculinity in our world is probably one of the most confused things right now. We have lost manhood. And there are a lot of fathers who, who say, you know, I, I, I'm just uncomfortable to do those things. I really want to encourage you, don't wait. You will have much, a much greater impact on your children today while you're in good health and you're living good life to sit down with them and look them straight in the eye and say, I love you. 
For those who say, you know what, I never, I'm a little uncomfortable with that because I was never told that. Sir, all I know to tell you is I just challenge you. I challenge you to take a big step and do it uncomfortable. Because, listen to me, your children need it more than you need to be comfortable. Your wife needs it more than you need to be comfortable. This is not about your comfort. This is not about you. It's about those that are around you. He said the thing that you need to give your greatest energy to is loving God first and loving those around you. You will be successful. Not if you've been shown that you're the most manly example there is or that you've been the best financial advisor there can be. Love God with all of your heart and love those that are around you. Listen, you want to be really spiritual? Love God first and love your family. Jesus left with no regrets. I'm often challenged by the words of the Apostle Paul when he's speaking to a young preacher. As Paul came down to the end of his life, he's sitting in the Mamertine prison. It's the place where Paul is going to die. You have to understand something about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul in the beginning was the one who held the coats while they stoned new believers. He gave his consent to it. He watched them. And then later he was so enraged with that thought, he began to go and drag out the disciples of Christ and he would take them and have them thrown in jail and some of them would be killed. Now we find that he has an experience with God on the Damascus Road. His life has changed. He becomes Paul, not the persecutor. He becomes Paul, the preacher of the gospel. Paul spends the entirety of the rest of his life preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God, raising up believers, planting churches. And now we find him all the way at the end. And through that process, he's been beaten. He's been shipwrecked. He's been left alone. He's been in peril all around him. Terrible things, things that, friends, you and I can't even begin to imagine at this point. He gets to the end. He's sitting there knowing that the time of his departure is near. He sits down to write some words to a young preacher, the ones that are coming after. Man, this is a great, great example for you and I who are continually living life and passing the baton to those that are coming behind us. He said these words in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. He didn't say, you know what, I'm so burnt out on ministry and I'm so burnt out on the church, I don't even want to go to the church anymore. He didn't say, I'm tired of... Christians and all that they say, I'm tired of this and that. He said, I fought, I've been faithful to God, I've been faithful to man, I'm here at the end, and I'm telling you as a young preacher, give it all you've got. The fight is worth living. He's not burnt out, he's not bitter, he's not a victim, he's a victor. Comes to the end, he says, I have no regrets, I've given it everything I've got. 
Really what he's saying is the water's fine, Timothy. Jump in with everything you've got. When the time comes, you and I want to leave this life with no regrets. Knowing what you've needed to be and you've done what you needed to do. Be prepared to leave this life with no regrets. Don't leave with the thought, I wish I had. Let me close with this one final thought. Many of you have um, stood in funeral homes throughout your life and you don't have to go to too many to find that they can bring a, an atmosphere all their own. Some are very tense because there was issues among family members. Some are very mournful. Some can be uh, an atmosphere of rejoicing, as you know, a believer who served God faithfully, and you know that this is not, again, about the departure, it's about the arrival. Man, I, I just, all I know to tell you is what the Lord has given my heart. I have stood there and watched fathers with tears down their face, with a child laying in front of them, and dad is crying tears of regret. Don't go out with regret. Today's the day. <laughs> Seize the moment. You have an opportunity now. You have an opportunity now. I know that today, as I was in preparation for this, you know, I'll be honest with you, I like, I like to preach sermons that everybody feels really encouraged when they leave and everybody feels great about walking with Jesus and you walk out about this high off the ground. I'll be honest with you, I knew that today was going to be a day of introspection. Jesus lived his life with intentionality. Jesus loved completely. And Jesus left with no regrets. No regrets whatsoever. Don't say, I wish I had. It once was said, you're never really ready to live until you're ready to leave. I want to ask you something today. Are you ready to leave? Should, should that time come? And friends, let's, let's just be real and let's be honest. For some, it's going to come earlier. For some, it's going to come later. We never know when. Never know when. If you knew that you were going to die later today, are there things you'd change? And the truth is you may. I want to have you here next Sunday, but that's not up to me. I want to be here next Sunday, but that's not up to me. If you were to die later today, are you ready? Are you ready? Many people, I believe, 
will enter into an eternal destination separated from God. And I can't help but wonder if they won't say, I wish I had. I wish I had. Would you bow your heads this morning? My Heavenly Father, today I, Lord, I just come to you and I look to you right now in these moments that we have together. And Lord, as you have been speaking to my heart, I'm convinced, Father, you've been speaking to the hearts of those that are around this room. Fathers, mothers, sons, daughters, uh, people that have come here today in this place. And Father, as they've gathered together in this house of worship today, we are once again faced with the reality that life is short, life is temporary, and eternity is forever. Father, as we look at our lives today, I pray that you would speak to us today about our life and first of all, our relationship with you and our relationship with others. Father, I just ask today that we won't look for another day, another time, another place. Today will be the day that we'll make the choice to follow you. We'll make the choice to love you first, and we'll make the choice to love those that are around us. Father, today, would you just speak to our hearts, I ask. In Jesus' name, with all his bowed, I'd just like to talk to you for just a moment about your relationship with Jesus. Friend, I want to ask you today that if today were the last day of your life, would you be ready to meet him? Would you be ready to meet Jesus? I know. We all want to go to heaven. <laughs> but friends, there's only one way to get there, and that's through Jesus Christ. So I want to ask you today about your relationship with Christ. If today were to be the last day that you walked this earth, young or old alike, if today were to be the last day, would you be content right now with your relationship with Jesus? This morning, as, as heads are bowed, um, you might be here and you say, you know what, I love God, and I believe I'm a believer. It's not, you say, it's not that I'm, I, I'm not uh, in relationship with Jesus, but you say, my relationship with Him is just really not what it should be. It's not what it used to be, and it's not what it should be. Maybe you're here and Friend, you've walked away from God and you've been away from God and he's been talking to you and you're here today because he's been talking to you about returning to that relationship with him. And Maybe you're here today and somebody invited you to this church and friend, you, you, you have never had a relationship with Jesus, but today you want to begin. Any of those situations, you just say today in light of eternity, Pastor, in light of what we've been talking about, Things just really aren't in my life with God the way they should be. If that's you this morning with heads bowed, nobody's looking around. Just lift your hand and say, that, that's me. That's me, yes. You can put your hands down if you've lifted them. You say, things just aren't 
what they need to be or could be or should be in my life in regard to Jesus. Please remember me in prayer. Would you just lift your hand, join these have already lifted hand. Say, remember me in prayer. Yes, yes. How many others this morning? While we have the opportunity and the chance. You say, please remember me in prayer today. All across this room with our heads bowed. In this quiet moment. If you lifted a hand, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you didn't raise your hand, I still invite you to pray this prayer with me. All across this room, would you pray this prayer with me today? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. You know me the day I was born and the day I'll leave this life. I come to you today and ask you to forgive me of all my sin, every wrong I've ever done. Cleanse my past and secure my future. I trust you today and I put my life in your hands. I want to know you more. I want to love you more. And I want to live for you all the days of my life. So I come to you today and ask you to make me your very own. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, uh, it's not a hard thing. He's already done the hard thing. It was when he's on the cross and he uttered the words, it's finished, he paid the price. It's a free gift of salvation. You and I just have to receive it. Forgiveness is free. <laughs> the price has already been paid. This morning, I, as we prepare to dismiss, I want to encourage you to consider your life. Consider what you're doing with your dash. I want to challenge you if you've not been living life with full intention, begin today. If you've not been loving completely, you've been busy doing things, but you've not been busy loving others, start today. And friends, if you want to go out with no regrets, the truth is you and I can't change yesterday, but I can change today. Now's the time to say the things you need to say. Today is the day to be the husband your family needs you to be, the father they need you to be, the wife and the mother they need you to be. Would you stand with me today? You know, the truth is, um, on a Sunday morning, y'all get the easy part. 
because I can't share with you until he's worked on me. (laughs) I stand here today just like you, needing to be the husband that my wife needs me to be and the father my son needs me to be. And I don't know about you, but I'm often in need of his help with that. So I'd like to close. Um, I'd like to close a little different. I'd like to ask you, would you just place your hands out like this in front of you and and just do that as like a receiving position, just receiving. I want to pray a prayer today and encourage you to pray this prayer in your heart along with me. Father, today we stand before you with our hands outstretched before you. We do so because, God, today we're asking for your help. God, I pray you help me to be an authentic husband. Help me to be an authentic father and brother, neighbor, employee. God, help me to live my life not for me, but for you. God, I get so busy and life gets so stressful and seems like I'm pulled so many different ways. I'm just today standing before you, asking you today for your help. Because, God, I want to love completely. And I want to live my life full of intention. And I want to go out with no regrets. Say with the apostle, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I kept the faith. Father, help us to live that kind of life. So that one day we can stand before you and hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, our hands are outstretched today asking and anticipating receiving from you. Lord, do the work in each one of our hearts now I ask. And I pray, Father, that as we come together next week, this will be a week of change. This will be a week where words have been spoken and actions have been different. And we're going to be people living for the future in you with no regrets. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You're such an incredible group of people of promise. I know God is going to do great things in your life this week because you plant you're going to sow and reap you're going to sow and reap sow and reap and I believe this is going to be a incredible week of planting seed God bless you all today may the joy of the Lord always be your strength God bless you today